Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Today, we are in Psalm chapter 51. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible or the CSB. Uh, this chapter right here is, I'm so grateful that I land on this chapter. This chapter right here uh, is like one of the gold chapters. You know, this is one of those ones that I return to very often. Um, just to, as a solid set reminder of who God is, what he does inside of our hearts and why it's so necessary to have the Lord purify us regularly. Amen. So we are going to go headfirst into this one, but let's pray. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. God, uh, we thank you that you are here with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us, open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you. And God, I pray as we read this text uh, that we would hear your voice and that each and every person that is hungry to hear from you would hear from you this morning. And praying in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. All right. <clears throat> let's stretch it out. Let's get it going and let's dive right on in. Verse one it says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Save me from the bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Come on, so good. So I want to give some context to this wonderful chapter here. Uh, this is known as David's Prayer of Restoration. So uh, what 
caused this chapter to happen in a way. Um, so David, when we look at him throughout the Bible, so many times he is known as this great warrior, right? He did incredible things for God. Um, he was known as a man of God. He is actually the lineage by which Jesus came on the earth. Uh, he was king over Israel. He was the second king, uh, Psalm chapter 51. He was the second king over Israel. And man, did he have so much, like when you look at David, you just read so much of the Bible and know that he has such a heart for God. God even said the very words about David. This is surely a man after my own heart. However, David at points in his life was a wicked wicked man. Now, sometimes when we think about people inside of the Bible and even heroes of the faith like David, we look at him and say, wow, what a wicked, wicked man, right? Because we kind of put these people up on pedestals. So uh, once they fall or they show any form of humanity, they get canceled. But I want to tell you something, David right here does not get canceled because he has a heart after God, which is exactly what Bertha's prayer of restoration. So David in his life, uh, lifetime uh, was supposed to be out to war because that's what God created him for. Everyone has a purpose. Um, so David's purpose was war and conquering idolatry inside of the land. Whereas David's son, uh, um, Solomon was made to build the temple. Um, but here's what happened. David saw a woman that was another man's wife, and it was actually a friend of his, Uriah. So David saw Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, in the middle of the night, literally taking a bath on a rooftop. He saw another woman, and he lusted after her, sent his friend on the front lines into battle so that his friend would die. So he could steal his wife. What? That's crazy. I know. <laughs> it's it's insane, though. And this is one of the heroes of the faith, by the way. Um, and David does a wicked and cruel thing. There's nothing right about what David did. And God obviously always sees what's in our heart. He always sees what's in our actions. And God sends a prophet named Nathan you know, for lack of better words, that's the pastor of that day to David. And when he goes to him, he presents David's sin to himself. And David comes to his census and realize, oh my gosh, I have sinned against God. And I have done wrong to my friend, obviously. And I've done wrong to this woman that I'm now calling my wife. So this prompts David's prayer of restoration. It prompts a moment of repentance and saying, God, I need some things to change inside of my life. So that's the context of this prayer. And uh, restoration is such an incredible thing to me. Um, so to kind of share before, uh, I shouldn't say before. Uh, so I did ministry in a, a church that, you know, my first church took a break in between, you know, going back into ministry. Um, and it was roughly like six months to just kind of like, you know, decompress, uh, take a quick, holy pause, divine moment uh, before jumping back in. And uh, in that interim, I did hardwood floor uh, installation. I did vinyl floor installation, a little bit of laminate, stuff like that. I did flooring. 
but one of the projects that we would do very often is refinishing floors or as another way of saying it is restoring hardwood floors. And I kind of gained like a little bit of a passion for sanding things down and uh, restaining it and refurbishing it or another word, restoring it. Uh, and there was one day uh, I was driving home from work and my beautiful, lovely wife, Shannon, gave me a call and she said, "Hun, I just found this awesome old sewing machine on the side of the road. But dang, is this thing beat up? <laughs> she said, it looks like it has been through some stuff. And I said, honey, that's probably because it's been through some stuff. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, uh, bring it home. Maybe we could do something. And she asked, could I sand it down and stain it for her mom's birthday? And we give it to her as a gift. And I say, yeah, definitely. Like, let's figure it out. So we get this old school sewing machine. We get the sandpaper, you know, we're masked up and we just start going at the thing. And we're removing layer after layer of, you know, because first it was stained and they painted over top of the stain. And I was like, oh, my aching heart. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you're pulling the paint off the top. I'm like, whew, that's a layer. And then once you get past the paint, it's like, okay, I get to the real stuff. I can get to the stain. And we're restoring this old school sewing machine one layer at a time. And finally, we get all the stains stripped off. We look at it and say, okay, now we can continue the restoring process of getting the rest, uh, uh, getting this thing back to life, right? First, we had to strip some stuff off so that we can get it back to life to where it was. And if you know anything about staining, uh, the first thing you do before you apply stain is you get a wet rag and you wipe it across the wood. Because why? Uh, stain isn't like paint. You can keep on painting, uh, putting stain on, but the only stain that stays is the first layer. So when you put the wet rag over the wood, it makes the grain pop. And when that grain opens up and it pops, the wood is ready to receive the stain. And when I was staining uh, the sewing machine, the Lord was just speaking to me so clearly as I'm going through this process. And he said, son, this is exactly how I do restoration. He said, as you remove layer after layer, as you get the thick layer of paint off the top, as you get the stain out of the grain, the inner workings, the inner grain, right? Our heart, you get the stain off of it. And then finally, when it comes time to go to that next step, you get the water on it. That is becoming hungry for God. It's saying, Lord, I want you and you alone. And you make that pop and it's ready to receive the stain. It's ready to receive Jesus. It's ready to receive heart change. It's ready to receive our next step, right? And as I'm putting this whole thing together, I'm like, oh gosh, God, you are giving me a sermon right here. This is good. <laughs> you ever just like hear from God and you just like, oh, this is good. <laughs> and, you know, we restained the thing and man, did it come out great. It was such a blessing to my mother-in-law. Uh, and we were just so happy to see her, see her happy. But that's exactly what this chapter is looking at, right? Verses two through five, it says, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. When that spiritual sandpaper hits us, and takes off those first layers, what's happening? My guilt is being washed away. My sin is being cleansed from me. And it goes on, for I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. You see, being conscious of your rebellion is so important. But one thing we don't want to do is be overly conscious of sin and uh, not be conscious of grace. You know, the best way I can express to you uh, about living a life for God is I don't want to always be aware of my shortcomings. You do, you want to have a self-awareness, 
but I don't want to glorify my shortcomings over the grace that God has for me, if that makes any sense. I heard an old pastor say, uh, uh, we want to be grace conscious if we want to live holy inside of our life. And at first I thought it doesn't really make much sense. You know, if I want to live holy inside of my life, I want to be aware of all the sin in my life. But he pointed out the exact opposite. He said, you want to be aware so that you can have God change certain areas, but you want to be overly grace conscious to have restoration happen inside of your life. And he shared the story of his son's birthday party. And he said, I grabbed all of my kids together. And I said, hey, at the birthday party, don't mess with the flower bed. This flower bed right over here, leave it alone. Like, you know, your mom just planted it all. Don't mess with it. And then the dad sat inside and watched the kids have the birthday party in the backyard and have a blast. And the kids, one at a time, started walking over and spitting inside of the flower bed. How wild is that? And one child went over and then his own son went and did it twice. And he was like, what the heck? Like, I told them not to do it. But then something clicked for him. He said, they became conscious of the sin when I told them about it. Does that make sense? They be, they became conscious of the wrongdoing when I told them. If I just didn't say anything, they probably wouldn't have done anything. But if I had made them aware of grace, if I had made them aware of doing the right thing, right thing rather than pointing out the wrong thing, they probably would have walked in grace, holiness, and purity. So that's one of the things of, for I'm conscious of my rebellion, my sin is always before me. That's the deep inner grain work, right? That is the stain that is deep down inside of the wood that has to be sanded out. Because God wants us to have a grace-centered conscience, a redemption-centered conscience, a restored-centered conscience. So our rebellion and sin isn't always before me, but my God's grace and mercy always stays before me. And this cleansing that God brings to our heart, this purity that is a process, because hear me, church, please, purity is a process. Uh, we don't just go through it once. We don't just... Uh, 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 get purified when we come to Jesus and then just call it a day. It is an every single day process. And thank God, because I don't know about uh, everyone else, but when I open this wonderful book right here called the Bible and I see my reflection in it, uh, it doesn't always look the prettiest. Um, and sometimes I try to put on like a little bit of cover up. Sometimes I try to put on a little bit of something just to make it, you know, not feel so bad or hurt. But I look at this and I say, man, I really have a ways to go before I'm looking like the image of Jesus. Can I get an amen? But there's no guilt inside of that because purity is a process of walking out what God has in our life. But all of this cleansing, all of this purity by God is because of God's character. Verse one, it says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. We get to pray the prayer of restoration to a God of restoration because of who he is. What's it say? According to your faithful love and abundant compassion. The thing about God's faithfulness, and this is so, it's so beautiful. God's faithfulness is even when we are faithless. What it says is when we want to give up, when we're not thinking about him, when we're not on point searching for him, when we're not pursuing him with everything we have, he says, don't worry about it. I'm still faithful to you because he says, I will bridge the gap between your faithlessness and my faithfulness. Why? Because of the love that I have for you, that self-sacrificing love. 
And according to his abundant compassion, a compassion that never runs out. Church, I'm so grateful. Is anyone else grateful for the compassion that God has that never runs out? Because I know if I didn't have abundant compassion, ooh, I would not be sitting here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I would not be pursuing God the way I'm pursuing. I wouldn't have the life I'd have because it's only him and him alone that fills the gap between where I'm at and the uh, purity that he has for me. Because restoration is a process. Now, uh, in his faithful love and abundant compassion, uh, I want to share a quick story with you. So uh, this past Monday, we had an incredible time at youth church. God is doing something supernatural inside of our youth program right now. Uh, and we are just like holding on to uh, the reins as God is pulling us into something incredible. Uh, and we are in a whole series on, um, you know, a topic called This Is Our Sex Talk, because we believe that the next generation has to know about what the Bible says on these topics. And, you know, we went head first and we were just, you know, we we're preaching with boldness, but also compassion. And, you know, we went after, you know, what is sex? Uh, what does the Bible have to say about it? You know, what's important, you know, what's important about it, right? And then we were going into topics like technology, boundaries. Well, this past Monday, we went after the topic of confession, right? This is what this chapter is all about. Psalm 51, confession, a prayer of restoration, a prayer of repentance always has confession tied to it because we have to release first. And as we're going through the topic of confession, we talk about it is important to confess to God, but it's also important to confess to other people. Because as we confess to God, God purifies us. But as we confess to people, they hold us accountable so we don't step back into our junk again, right? Because if we think we're meant to do this thing called life alone, if we think we're meant to just right sit in the row of church and just walk out and just have no community and not be in a circle holding us accountable, going after God together, we'll never walk out this thing with longevity. And as we were going after this uh, thing on Monday night with the young people, uh, we had 22 students confess sexual sin. Y'all, 22 students confessed sexual sin. Do you know how supernatural that is? How wild, like the things that God is doing. That is an absolute miracle because as a teenager, uh, I wouldn't be walking up to the front to confess anything, church. Right. Like most grown adults wouldn't walk up to the front with boldness and say, yeah, I messed up. I am active in, in some things I shouldn't be in, but I need to be free from them. That doesn't like, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It's something incredible that God is doing. And the verse we preached from that sparked what God was doing was first John one nine, where it says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive right? It's because of his faithful love and abundant compassion that he blots out our rebellion. Even when we're faithless, God is faithful. Even when we're not looking to him, he's always looking to us. Even when I'm not thinking about how abundant his compassion is, it never changes his compassion. He is faithful and just to forgive anytime we look to him and say, I am here to confess my sin. I think it's so powerful that God says, you bring me you, you bring me your mess. I will not only turn it around, flip it around, send the mess back to where it came from and deal with it on the cross, but I will turn that mess into a message. 
And it's only our God that can do that from what? His faithful love and abundant compassion. And it's all because of this special thing as to why we get to pray the prayer of restoration and the prayer of uh, repentance. And that's in verse seven. It says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That purify me with hyssop. Um, I don't know about y'all, but when I'm reading stuff in the Bible and, you know, please hear me. Uh, I'm a pastor. I love Jesus. I love studying the Bible. Uh, if you spend any uh, length of time with me, you will know I am a straight up Bible geek. Uh, I nerd out about the Bible and the original language all the time. It's We have a connect group on Wednesday nights, and it takes me about 17.2 seconds to start bringing up uh, the Hebrew and Greek language <laughs> because I just love it. It's something that's just a passion of mine. It fires me up. Um, when I read this verse, purify me with hyssop. My first thought is, uh, God, what the heck is a hyssop? <laughs> and that might just be my South Jersey boy self, but I'm like, what is a hyssop and why do we purify people with it? Like, is it a plant and I'm just smacking people with it and it purifies them once I hit them? Like, I guess I, I got questions. I don't know about you, but I got questions. Purify me with hyssop. So I started diving in a little bit deep. Uh, and I encourage you as you study your Bible, as you're reading passages, um, get a journal, take notes. You know, I soap and then I just bring you guys in on my soap. Um, I literally just soak the chapter and just bring it to you guys. And we just do it together. You know, I don't create a whole message. I just, what stands out to me. And when I'm looking at this whole hyssop thing, uh, I have a commentary I read from, uh, I have a Bible analysis I read from, uh, I have a few different books from school that I have next to me, uh, that I can just kind of dive into different words, if I don't understand it. So right here, I saw purify my hyssop and I thought, what the heck is a hyssop? Come to find out what uh, David is talking about is a plant dipped in Passover lamb blood. So it is a plant that's quite literally dipped inside of the blood of a lamb that would be used as a Passover sacrifice. And if you remember Passover, I actually did the Passover soap uh, back when we were in Exodus. If you remember Passover, this was when the Israelites were inside of the nation of Egypt and God was trying to free the Israelites. As he was trying to free the Israelites, he told them, hey, everyone, take lamb's blood, put it over the doorpost of your home, because an angel is going to pass through the city and take the firstborn uh, um, child from the households of the Egyptians. But if the lamb's blood is over your doorpost, what it's telling me, what it's telling the angel is that you are my people and that will pass over your home. Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. The Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb that was sacrificed on the cross so that God's wrath, God's anger could pass over us and be put on him in our place. So when the hyssop is being dipped inside of the Passover Lamb's blood, what it's saying is God can turn his face from our sins. Like right verse 9, turn your face away from my sins because his face was first turned away from the Son. When Jesus was on the cross, all of heaven looked away. And it was a moment where the son sat forsaken because he wore the weight of sin then, now, and forever on his physical body on that cross so that we could have freedom, repentance, restoration, relationship with God, not based on anything we could do. 
but based on the sacrifice that happened on the cross because the Passover lamb was sacrificed. So right here, David is even referencing without knowing it, the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus was going to be on the cross. All he knew was that there was a Passover moment that happened at one point. And he knew that Passover was because he did nothing in and of himself, but because there's a perfect sacrifice. Church, because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we get purified with hyssop and we'll be made clean and we'll be washed whiter than snow, right? It's that old song. I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing and I love y'all enough to not sing for you. You're welcome. <laughs> what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, church. So because of that blood, because of the sacrifice that he made, we get to live clean and get to live in purity. Now it goes on in verse 10. This is the most quoted part of uh, Psalm 51 and one of the beautiful parts, right? God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David had this recognition that his heart had to be changed. You know, uh, I, I love his perception and I love the way he uh, views his own sin in this moment. Because sometimes we deal with fruit and we don't deal with roots, if you hear what I'm saying. Uh, if we find ourselves in the same arguments with our spouse, if we find ourselves in the same arguments with uh, our boss from work, if we find ourselves in the same, you know, fill in the blank, right? The same cycle, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Oh, wait, one more time, the same thing. And we keep on going through the hamster wheel, Right. It's because there's something inside of us, inside of our heart that needs to change. And that's just reality. David knew that he needed a clean heart inside of him, his inner self, right? Your heart. The definition of your heart is the seat of your emotions, the very inside of you, who I really am, right? We don't always show everyone our heart. We don't always show everyone who we really are on the inside, correct? We kind of have this uh, best self that we present to people. But David knew that God could work on that best self that he presents, but it wouldn't be David's real self because he needed a clean heart made inside of him. He said, clean heart inside of me, renewing me a steadfast spirit. So after his true self, his inner self would get worked on by God, he said, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because here's what happens so often. We have a moment of repentance and restoration happens. And we're at the altar, we're sitting before God, and we're saying, Lord, please forgive me, for I have sinned against you and you alone. And God forgives us as he always does because he's faithful and just. But then a week later, two weeks later, we're back in the same process again. This is why we need a steadfast spirit, a spirit that prevails and says, I'm not going back, right? The cross before me, the world behind me. I am going forward to the cross alone. And I'm doing this because I have a steadfast spirit that's going to run the race with endurance, right? I'm going to push on even when I don't want to push on, right? The cloud of witnesses that surrounds me, that's cheering me on. And I'm pushing forward in the purity and clean, renewed life that God has given me. So when we pray and we're looking for God to... Uh, create a clean heart within us. We're looking for restoration because we believe in restoration in every sense 
that God can restore marriages, that God can restore relationships, that God can restore uh, us to him. In the restoration process, we want the miracle to happen, the clean heart to happen, but we also want the steadfast spirit to steward what God is doing. And I'll share a story with you. Uh, really, like the first connect group I was ever a part of was uh, a men's Proverbs connect group. So what would happen is whatever date it was, like today is March 2nd, uh, if we were in the group on March 2nd, we would do Proverbs chapter two. And the very next week, you know, because seven days goes by, be Proverbs chapter nine, right? Whatever day it was, was the chapter of Proverbs we would do. And we would sit down in a circle, 20 of us guys, and just go through the book of Proverbs, you know, as the, uh, as the course of the year went on. It was such an incredible time. There was a guy in there. His name was Bill. I love Bill. He was an older gentleman. Um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. He was uh, in his mid seventies, and the dude was an absolute workhorse. I loved it. You know, he was the the Bob Gilmore's of the world. Come on, Bob. And uh, you know, this man was seventy five. He was the CFO of a major company, and all I kept on asking the guy was, "Man." when are you going to retire? Like, you know, you've worked all this time and he, he would always tell me, he's like, I will retire the day the Lord closed my, closes my eyes. <laughs> I said, man, give me a high five. You're awesome. And uh, uh, I, I always loved, because uh, I sat next to Bill at group every night and I'd always ask Bill a ton of questions about his life. And then finally he said, all right, how about this? Tonight in tonight's proverb, I'll share my story with you. I said, let's do it. Uh, turns out, Bill in his life went through one of the greatest acts of restoration I still have ever heard and hold so close to my heart. As we're sitting uh, in our circle, Bill goes, when I was uh, in my 50s, I was unfaithful to my wife. And I was like, whoo, talk about like a bomb to drop a group, right? But I love the vulnerability. I love the fact that he was getting real with God and getting real with us, right? Confession to God, confession to people. And he wasn't high to get these seven. I was in my 50s. I was unfaithful to my wife. He's like, I made a mistake and I messed up. His wife and him spent 10 years apart, okay? They were divorced for 10 years in total. So let's say from 55 to 65, they were divorced. They obviously had a family. Uh, living in separate homes. He's still the CFO of a company. And then one day he encounters the Lord. One day he comes to Jesus and he starts living for the Lord and he starts attending this church. And it's an incredible church. You know, it's, uh, you know, let's just say it's uh, uh, around the same size as fusion, right? Where some, you know, you could walk through the lobby and if you're not intensive of looking for uh, a person, you could walk right past them sometimes. Right. Because there's so many people that God is touching. Uh, it was kind of the same context. You know, it was a larger church. So if you weren't looking for someone, you could just walk in and walk out and kind of do your business. Well, Bill attended this church for a couple of years. And um, after a couple of years, he decided to attend because he was going to the 11 o'clock service. After a couple of years, he decided to attend the 9 a.m. service. He goes to the 9. And as he's in the lobby of the church... He walks in and his ex-wife is standing there and he looks at her and he goes, what are you doing here? And she looks back at him and goes, uh, this is my church. What are you doing here is the real question. And he was like, no, this is my church. Just like exes should argue right in the middle of a church lobby. 
and uh, <laughs> and they get into this uh, elevated conversation of how whose church it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, after I, I think he shares it, he's like after like five minutes of going back and forth, they both stopped and looked at each other, and it's like the light bulb clicked. And they said, "Can we sit in the cafe and talk?" And they shared the process of God restoring them to the Lord over the past two years, sitting in the church cafe. And they both sat there with tears in their eyes, like, what? Like, this is incredible. And they truly believed in restoration. And they went on a process over the next course of time uh, just to figure out what restoration would look like for them. Church, I am happy to say that Bill is remarried to his wife. God did the process of restoration between the two of them because God restored them to himself and God's heart is restoration to see it in every area of our life. Even in our unfaithfulness, God is still faithful and he's a living epitome of what this verse says. He had a clean heart made inside of himself, but it was the steadfast spirit that kept him faithful, right? So they said, God has restored our marriage, but we want to stay faithful and steadfast to the marriage that he's restored to us. And he decided and she decided they're going to make a decision to live out a restored marriage, which I think is so powerful. So church, I want to encourage you today uh, as we close out this soap together. Where in your life is God bringing restoration? Where in your life is that restorative X factor, secret ingredient of the Holy Spirit bringing restoration in your heart, in our marriages, in our relationships, friendships, workplace? Find where restoration is happening because God is a God of restoration and he is doing it avidly around us all the time. And I want to be a part of his story here inside of the world. You know, I love walking through the foyer of fusion because I'm, I try to be like a speed bump for people, right? As they're walking in and out, if I see a face, I don't know yet. I got to grab them, make sure we're talking for five minutes. And one of the things I always ask is, so tell me about your story. Tell me about you. I want to hear the story of restoration and it's all around us church. And God is just waiting for us to say, I want to be a part of your story of restoration. You know, we may not be the bills of the world where, uh, you know, we're separated for 10 years. However, one of the most beautiful acts of restoration is when someone doesn't know Jesus and gets restored to Jesus. Come on. So we want to press in. We want to dive in, get to the edge of our seat to see this show of God's restoration here inside of our region, here inside of South Jersey, here in our state and beyond, because God is writing the story of restoration. So come on, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are painting the picture of restoration inside of our hearts, painting the picture of restoration inside of our lives. Lord, I just pray that you would show us our place in the process of restoration, whether it be in our own life, or playing a part in the role of restoration in someone else's life. God, help us find where we need to pur help purify people with hyssop. Help us uh, see where we need to lead people to you. Help us live for you, Jesus, in the process of restoration. And God, I pray you would give us your abundant love, your faithful, faithful nature inside of us, so we can point people to you, not only in our words, but in our hearts in the way that we love people, in the way that we show them who you are. So God, I thank you for each and every person listening. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you would give a divine love to each and every one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Thursday.